Croeso Paub, welcome to the next in a series of podcasts about social value from the Wales Cooperative Centre, where we'll explore how the housing sector is approaching social value. My name's Sean Lloyd and I'm joined by Adam Cox, social value consultant, Wales Cooperative Centre. Hi, Hi Adam. Hi Sean. Emma Hammonds, service lead contracts and partnerships at Bron Avon Community Housing. Hello. And sitting next to her is Ducey Thomas, Environmental and Sustainable Manager, also at Bronavon. Lovely to see you. Hi, Sharon. And also here today is Keith Edwards, a consultant on housing regeneration and social justice and can-do specialist. Good to see you, Keith. Hi, Sharon. In our previous podcasts, we've developed a sense of what social value is and what changes it can bring to communities. So now it's time for us really to consider social value and housing. And perhaps if we start with a can-do toolkit or can-do approach, which I know already exists. And Keith, can you set out a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, very briefly, historically, um, council housing in Wales, there was a big change about 10 or 12 years ago where half the local authorities transferred to new organisations. It meant that something like four to five billion pounds worth of money was going to be invested in some of our most socially disadvantaged communities. Um, And we got involved with Welsh Government at the time uh, to look at how you could capture as much of that benefit for local communities. And we evolved through that process, something called the Can Do Toolkits, but it's really more of a mindset than a set of tools where people start off from the premise, if money's going to be spent, we want to capture it for, for local people and for their benefit. And uh, Dusty and Emma's organisation, Bron Avon, were real sort of at the forefront uh, of that movement 10 years ago. And I'm, started, I'm glad to say uh, I'm still very much at the forefront of it today. Well, let's hear from you then. Emma, how does it work for you? You know, how can you tell us a little bit about your role within it? I think we've started to really consider how we work alongside our communities to, to really add that value and to recognise our role in, in the community as a community anchor and really be able to add um, value from a financial, economic um, and social point of view and the, as, as Keith says the the can do just guides us in that that approach and how we we go about doing that um, from start to finish really. Mindset thing is quite important I think because um, we, we didn't look at can do or I personally didn't really look at can do as you have to follow step by step but it's almost like if you're gonna do something and you are there as part of the community that you provide a service to what sort of other things that you think you can offer that you can do and, and the, the, the can-do uh, toolkit is almost like yes it might not fit with your procedure or your process now but if you kind of uh, stretch yourself a little bit more what other things we can add to what we do as a kind of core services isn't it that 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 how we implement it I think within the business so what road would you say it's led you down? We're looking at it from a number of different angles. Obviously, the decarbonisation and retrofit agenda at the moment is is really key to us. And, and that's where we can see that through our procurement and through our contracting, we can we can add that value to our community. But actually, that, that can-do approach can be applied across the whole business. And as Doozy says, the, the mindset point of view and that cultural change to to see our communities as somebody who we can be involved with supporting we need to listen to them better and to understand their wants and needs and aspirations and 
really just to help them to recover from COVID and also from austerity um, and to use some of our buying power and also our, our role really as a large employer in our local area to do that. Can I, I think Emma's spot on, you know, I, th I think you mentioned the phrase anchor organisations and sometimes people don't recognise just how important organisations like Bron Avon are in Pontypool and Cumbran and, you know, up the valley, you know, you are sometimes one of the most important economic actors within those communities. So you've, you've got a sort of um, a social value in, in your DNA in a way. You want to do good for those communities. I think can do, again, to see that stretches you. Yeah. It says, you know, at each point, what more can we bring to these yeah. communities economically, socially and environmentally? Yeah. Yeah. And Adam, would you say is can do just one approach? Yeah, I mean, for, for social housing, it's, it's quite a, a robust attitude and, and platform to utilise. Um, but... What I, think re it, it, what I think is really handy about it is it, it, it takes in three key areas. It, it, the client, the contractor, and the... Say again, Keith? Community. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were going to say something different. <laughs> sorry, then, like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah, so it takes the, the, the client, the contractor, and the community, which fundamentally forms the, the relationship um, between you know, a lot of procurement activity, a lot of uh, the, the operational delivery models that, that housing associations go through. So it gives you that vision, that understanding of, of the three main points. You could probably argue that it doesn't deliver across the board, but it gives you a really fundamental focus. And what, what Bronavon do really well is, is step back from that and say, we utilise the can-do approach in a lot of our business activity, but we want to look at our business model through the lens of social value. So everything they do, everything from buying laptops to the water that you turn on in the tap, to the bricks that they put in their homes um, and consider it. And that's the beauty. It's not necessarily always saying we can do something in this area. It's making it a consideration at source. You'd be, you could argue the point, Sean, that social value is the day-to-day -day business activity of a housing association, um, you know, a social landlord. It's what they do. It's the meat and drink. So you could say, well, what else do they need to do then? They provide affordable homes, a reasonable rental income that are safe, that are warm. Um, there is, as we, we've talked about in some of the other podcasts, there is always that additional value, that social value, which is what we do away from our core business activity. And that's, in essence, what can-do approach gives you. It's the, it's the ability to look outside of those parameters. And how did you at Bronow and then get to that status or situation, if you like? I like the expression you used there, Adam, about, about well, the lens that you were talking about you know how did you get to that place that you are looking through that lens all the time i think doozy and i happily collided when doozy started <laughs> um, her role in the organization and had quite similar views on you know what we should be doing for our community the community engagement that we needed to be involved in and, and we've been lucky and been supported by our senior management team in sort of aspiring to that and being allowed to run around meeting partners and having conversations with people like Keith and Adam and actually you know I, th I think we're a community mutual which means that we're owned by our members and our members are Torvine residents a lot of our members are our staff and actually 75% of our staff live in Torvine so we've all got a really sort of passion and and we're really committed to making Torvine a better place to live because we live there and we work there so, so yeah by nature we 
actually looking at it through the lens. Uh, we might not know it, but we already do that. But when we come to the actual implementation and the delivery, don't get me wrong, we're not perfect by any, you know, but we are trying to do better all the time, coming back to the stretching, they're trying to stretch ourselves all the time. If I may use an example around decarbonization, uh, we talk a lot about um, the housing sector is under uh, pressure to do something to contribute to the net zero carbon. And one of the thing, one of the things we can do is to improve the quality of our home, to the, the efficiency of our home, uh, to make them to the top rating of energy performance. And one of the easy things that we could do is to put solar panel on the roof. But have we actually thought about how we can make sure that our tenants can make the most of that solar panels? You know, how can how they actually understand and become aware of their roles to contribute to climate change as a whole and not just switching the light on and making the, uh, getting the energy from the panel. So we kind of challenge ourselves, say, if we live in that home, what sort of other things that Bronnavon or what we would, would be looking to Bronnavon to provide to us in order for us to contribute to bigger picture, bigger, bigger challenges for the community. So we're trying to challenge ourselves in that sense. So that kind of this sort of thing come up now and again. So we don't always have answers for everything, but when we get challenged, it allows us time to have that conversation, isn't it? I think it's a really good tie-in with what Adam said about the three C's, you know, the sort of yep. client, contractor and community. You know, I think if I've worked in housing for a long time and I'd have to put my hand up and say, even if you've got the best intentions in the world, you can make assumptions on behalf of people yep. and come up with the wrong decisions. Yep. The whole beauty of can do is that you start by asking people, mm. you know, what works for you? What do you want out of this? You know, if you're going to be working in your community, what benefits do you want? And then getting the contractors on board, because to be honest with you, the private sector, small businesses or what have you, they get this as well. You know, they don't want to just do shoddy work and, you know, come today and leave tomorrow. You know, they want a long-term relationship with people like you as clients. So they want to see good coming out of the work that they're doing as well. And I think... I have to say, I think housing is particularly good at this. You know, you've got that sort of focus that's in your day-to-day -day work, in your DNA, if you like. Mm. Is it being used enough, though, Adam? No. Um, again, I take you back to what I said about housing associations fundamentally delivering social value as part of their everyday business practice. But a lot of this still seems to fall within sort of capital build programmes. So you'll find that most of the, the three Cs uh, within the Can Do Toolkit uh, are generated through that approach. So we've got, you know, we need to build some new homes. We know we can generate social value from that because we can work with the client and the contractor and the community. Got it there, Keith Lency. <laughs> um, and it allows it allows them to really explore that understanding within within one area of a huge organisation. And I think what uh, Emma and Ducey are exploring with ourselves is is how to how to take that and make it a, a wholesale organisational approach. So when we're buying stationary laptops, or we're working in HR or finance, how do we look at everything through the lens of social value and where can we make some sort of reform? And there's a really great sort of brother-sister relationship between um, social value and sustainability, for instance, mm -hmm. and everyone thinks they sit in these separate boxes, when really they don't. There's a lot of ebb and flow between the two, and there's no reason why you can't apply some sustainable values to generate the social value, and as Ducey said with her, her solar panel example within the homes, it was you know it really does look at what do we what do we do that's long term and sustainable, but also generate some sort of immediate social return, social value. I quite like to add on that on the sustainability and social value. When Emma and I started to to work together more, because I not long 
joy pronoun. And one of the first things we say to each other is that actually, my role is sustainability, you are looking more on social value, but ultimately they are the same thing. And so how can we get that out there that we're not trying to add another principle onto the business practice? We are talking about the same thing here. You know, just try to get that clarity for our, for our workforce, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's the... For us at the moment, we, have, we obviously work to lots of plans and there's lots of pri conflicting often, but lots of priorities. And actually, you know, with Doozy and I, it's talking about really pushing everything through that lens of social value. So starting with the customer, because I think social value can often be seen as a procurement issue and, and we often talk about it in procurement. It's often procurement teams that are involved in it. But we really need to take that right back to the community and say, as Keith says, what is it that you need us to build? What is it that you need us to plan for? How do you need your community to be? And how can you best live in that to achieve the greatest well-being that you possibly can? And that's really our role outside of bricks and mortar. I mean, how would you sum up social value? Because this is something that we have been looking at in the other podcasts as well. And obviously you've got a, you know, a clearly defined idea of where you're going and I have to say you're a great double act you two obviously <laughs> work really well together um that comes across straight away but you know how would you sum up social value I'm just interested at this stage to get your take on that really well Adam and I have been back and forth about this about 10,000 times haven't we and we <laughs> you know we've come up with different um different phrases to sort of express what we mean by it and I think ultimately we came up with something that talked about our responsibility outside of commissioned or procured parameters so you know those things that that are not just financial that they they really are looking at the whole person and the whole community um, and are, are bringing that sort of um, extra back into our communities. Do you think it's high enough up the agenda within the sector? I think it. I think it's it's there. There's the the terminology is different depending on who you talk to. I think, like Keith says, it is part of social housing's DNA, and we've always done it, and we've always aspired to support our communities. There's not any social housing providers who are not doing that, um, and I think social value in Wales is really starting to take hold. So Doozy and I sit on a community benefits group and that's something we've always um, used in our contracting practices. And it's, it's, yeah, I think it's been talked about more and more. You see more and more posts where social values, um, a job role now within a housing association. So I think it's about getting maybe those measurement measuring tools right and, not overemphasizing measurement but actually starting to evidence where we're making a difference where that outcome is long term and where it is sustainable so where, where do you think that could go keith because interestingly they both said earlier we haven't got all the answers and that's something that certainly come out through the earlier podcast you know nobody here is saying they've got all the answers mm. to everything and being very honest and candid about mm. it but in terms of measurement mm. how do you see that well one of the we, we've sort of revamped the can do approach and we've involved Bronov and others in this process and one of the things we say is 
measurement should follow the objectives that you've set and, and not the other way around. Because I think what happens is there are things like the TOMS Local Authority Toolkit, there's the Valor Wales Toolkit, so I don't get too technical, but they're out there. And we say, don't pick the tool that you want, decide what you want first, and then you can always adapt those tools or fit into those tools. And the way to do it is to adopt the principles, the wellbeing goals, the Future Generations Act. Because all the tools that are active in Wales at the moment incorporate the wellbeing goals. So you, you talk to people locally about what you want to achieve locally in, in relation to the seven wellbeing goals. And then you can develop the measurement on the back of that. You know, that's the way around it has to be. Because otherwise you're just grafting something on and it becomes a, a box ticking exercise. So for us it's about making sure you start with the three C's and build something up from the bottom. Well you mentioned the Wellbeing Future Generations Act. Uh, we spoke to the Commissioner in one of the earlier podcasts and got a sense of the Act, but it doesn't actually relate to housing, does it? it well, it, it doesn't relate to housing associations, although I would say that you know housing associations almost anticipated the Act in the sense that they were always pursuing social, economic, environmental, sustainability sort of agendas. So, so there's a really good fit with the sector and there's no reason why they shouldn't use the sort of wellbeing goals in my view. But of course, it isn't just about housing associations, local authorities, 11 of the 22 local authorities still have their own council housing, and they are obviously have to comply with the Act. So, and the same sort of stuff that you see happening in Bronavon, uh, in the neighbouring authority, Caffili, and, and other, other authorities, you'll see that they are equally focused as local authorities on trying to get the maximum value through a can-do approach in their communities. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd quite like to add on that. I think I want... I think you're going to hear the passion in this now. <laughs> That's great. That's what we like. I, I, I believe it is the right thing for housing associations to, even though we're not obliged by law to, to deliver the, the well-being goals, but I believe it's the right thing for Wales that we contribute to it, that we keep the single vision for Wales, that we look to contribute to that. And, and even though we're not obliged by law to do it, but we are very committed to make sure that our business processes, our thinking, our vision align with that well-being goals. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what do you see then, I suppose, taking that a step further as to potential future opportunities for increasing social value? So quite a lot of opportunities. At the moment, I'm focusing on decarbonisation. With the decarbonisation, we said quite clearly what exactly we want as a result of our approach to decarbonisation. So we're not just looking at improving our homes to be highest standard for energy efficiency. We're actually looking to sustain the level of greenhouse gas uh, uh, emission from our homes. We're looking to make sure that people living in our communities are helped and supported where they need to live outside fuel poverty. So we look wider than just tick the boxes of having X number of homes at the highest level of uh, energy efficiency. Can I just come in on the back of that? Again, really important point. So, so where I came in on this was the Welsh Housing Quality Standard Programme, which is about five billion when, you know, spent in some of the most deprived communities. We know that the decarbonisation retrofit bill is going to be around about the same amount in the next 10 years. So, you know, you work out the opportunities that we took 10 years ago, they're, they're emerging again. The difference this time, obviously we have to get the funding sorted out, so nobody's sort of, you know, we're not covering over that, but nevertheless, huge potential. But it doesn't just apply to social housing. You know, we have to retrofit um, the private sector as well. So the businesses that will be developed, small businesses, specialist businesses, the sort of green recovery businesses, if you like, 
if they get this right, there's a long-term um, sort of pipeline of work. Um, we need to get the skills right, we need to get the investment right. But, you know, it's, it's even more exciting, potentially. And again, I see people like Bron Avon being the spearhead of this, because you're going to be doing it first, and then we have to think about the vast majority of homes that are in the private sector. You know, we're developing partnerships now that we're hoping will be long-lasting because what we recognise is that to this point there hasn't been the skills in the market. We haven't developed those skills because we don't know what we're going to be using on our homes, what that looks like. As Keith said, we're waiting for funding. So we've been using the time to sort of link with other housing associations and look at our role as social housing providers as one, not as Bron Avon or as Mellon Homes. We're working together. And that also applies to people like the colleges and, you know, other local businesses that we could have a hand in supporting to develop and to make sustainable so that actually they're ready for that challenge when it comes. So there's an opportunity for a lot of people and other organisations in this then? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that role of being able to support people to, um, you know, access education, the right sort of training opportunities to be the workforce of the future who are able to support the decarbonisation, house building agenda. Our role in that is absolutely key because, you know, we've we've got the skills to do that. We've got the partnerships to do it and, and we will financially be the people that are, are providing that. We just need to be very careful about how we think about setting those businesses up, how we support them and, and what that feels like going forward. So we've talked a lot about, um, you know, supporting local businesses in becoming experts in electric charging points for fleets, for example. We have large fleets of vehicles that are on the roads all the time and that's across the housing sector. Um, and actually, you know, if we can support somebody in Torvine to become the expert in that and to have sustainable business, they're then able to take on young people to learn to do that. They probably are our tenants or residents. And actually, the more employment there is in Torvine, the better for us, the better for Torvine. So, yeah, absolutely. And Adam, just taking that on and perhaps winding it out a little bit, then how do you see the future for social value in this sector? Housing's got sort of a, a real landscape to deal with this it's, it's a real crowded space for them sometimes you know you've got Dussie's considerations around sustainability decarbonization retrofit as Keith's articulated this there's a lot of work to do in the private sector and Emma's touched on as well the the social businesses or the, the small businesses within Torvine for instance that can potentially gain some traction in a, in a very specialized subject uh, area sorry such as uh, charging points electric charging points I would say it, we still go back to what we said in the introductory podcast that social value is sometimes doing the basics really well. Stepping back and having a look at where you can make a definitive difference. The beauty about housing is it's already got a lot of really great tools out there that it can lean on, such as the can-do approach. doesn't mean that it is the only archetype for, for sort of transformation, but it is a really great place to start. Equal to that then is, is you know, we've worked with Bravan now for the last year to sort of reshape how they approach social value and how it has an influence in sustainability and vice versa. How looking at the can-do approach for particular business elements, uh, business uh, departments in the, in the business, for instance, um, around capital spend, how it really sits well there. And is there other, you know, types of um, measurement uh, that we, we can use? 
if I had a klaxon earlier, I probably would have set it off when Keith started talking about not jumping straight to measurement before you've understood what social value means to them. And I think my, my take home message would be to any housing association or mutual would be to understand what social value means to you as an association first before you worry about measuring something that you potentially already do. It's still going to be there. You're still going to be able to measure it. But you've got some really great tools like the can-do approach. Um, you've got the centre you can come and chat to and see if we can help you shape that. But fundamentally, do the basics really well and don't initially worry too much about measuring. Ducey, you're nodding there. And I think, you know, we would like people who are listening to these podcasts to be able to, to, well, take a lot away from them, of course, but also take something that if they're thinking about social value and how it could affect them or they could get involved in it, uh, perhaps within this sector or wider. I mean, are there any tips or some advice that you would give? Obviously, you've got a great deal of of experience within this sector, but, but just generally, because we're talking here about making a difference aren't we yes definitely and and again coming back to the part that we've been all been saying that housing associations housing sector they're already doing a great deal of social values personally i i think i can say this because i'm practically quite still new isn't it to to the housing sector <laughs> okay um, uh, i i think it's a language the language that we use to communicate if you imagine taking this social value to talk to your clients or to, to talk to your contractors or to talk to your customers, you're not going to get much out of them. But it's almost you need to find what is relevant to them so that you can engage with them to get them to see they have to do something about it or there's an opportunity for them to do something about it. Things like climate change. If I go and say to people, uh, you have to save energy to, to contribute to net zero carbon, they have many other things in their life that they have to consider. Some people living in hardship, feels price gone up. They have other things on their mind. So what is it I can get them to focus on? But I myself, our job as the anchor organization, isn't it? It's our job to translate that into what social values are for us to measure and for us to communicate. But I think it's allowed opportunity for our 3C customer, contractor, Community. community. <laughs> Just looking at them. You, you didn't need to keep them out. Did you do Everyone was listening. <laughs> to allow them to actually flag up what it is they're interested in. But at the same time, we also need to kind of let them know. I don't want to use the word educate. I mean, who are we to go and educate mm. people? But mm. raise the awareness of what are the opportunities that they should consider mm. so that to make their life easier, to help them contribute to the bigger picture. You know, sometimes we just get get lost in all the jargons and all the terminologies. I think come back to the basic. You said it earlier, come back to the basic. And get people to know about social value, yeah. Adam. Yeah, I think it just it just gets called a lot of things, community benefits, social impact, corporate social responsibility yeah. when you're at the you know, around the director's table. The reality is, Sean, it's just about doing um, doing the basics really well for for your demographic or your clients or your customers. Um, and the guy actually, the, the guy, the same guy, his name's Guy and he's the same guy, chatting in the break and I asked him what he thought social value is and he just said sometimes it's just doing the right thing. And I think, do you know what, so it is that simple sometimes, just do the right thing. It might not be the shortest, it might not be the least path of resistance, but doing the right thing sometimes, you know, means that we do better, you know, for tomorrow, but we action it today. And keep the room for more growth. 
Absolutely, you know, and again, I absolutely get the point that you know what we call things is important, but we can get caught up in it as well. Mm-hmm. Social value is not new. You know, the guy who was a builder thirty years ago who sponsored his local rugby club, yeah. you know, and uh, or refurbished a sort of local community centre in his spare time. Like that was social value. You know, that's what people are doing. So it's not it's not a, it's not a tough ask. People get it. You know, if we're going to be doing this stuff, then let's do it in a way that actually benefits the communities that we're working in. And I'll give the last words to you on this one then. Social value, any advice or tips that you would be giving to somebody? I know you've, you've talked a lot already about what you're doing, but it would be great just to have perhaps a key message. I think it is, as, as everyone else has said, it is, it's getting the basics right and, and looking at what we're there to deliver. But I think just to get involved, to get interested, to start having those conversations in the community with with different people that you work with, with our contractors, like Keith said, I think there was a bit of a fear within the organisation that we would scare our contractors off by talking about social value and actually when you speak to them they all know exactly what you're talking about and even the language wasn't a barrier with a lot of our contractors. There's There's loads of really brilliant information out there there's some brilliant models that are you know contributing to the circular and foundational economy and as i walked in i said to keith i've been spending a bit of time looking at the preston model into the foundational economy and you know it's about it's about spending our money wisely making our decisions wisely and and really doing what our communities need us to do well, that's great. You've given us plenty to think about in this podcast. I think it's been really packed, but it seems to have zipped by. Thank you to all of you for joining us. Um, Adam, Emma, Ducey and Keith, great insights. I'm really loved to meet you as well and also to do this podcast in person. In our next podcast, we'll be discussing social value in procurement and community wealth building. I hope you can join us for that one. Tanatron Nesav. Until next time, goodbye.